Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and just I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, not just my executive producer, not just my therapist, but also the guy really rowing the boat in terms of magic content this week, <laughs> my good buddy and producer extraordinaire, Cameron McCoy. My friend, what is up? Not much, man. How you doing? Uh, I'm really good. We didn't talk about this in the pre-show chat, but one of the contributing factors to me not having a lot of magic to talk about is, I'm not sure if you're aware, once again, the Chiefs have made the Super Bowl. I saw something on online about it yesterday. When you were reading the New Yorker or the Post? It, it interrupted the Star Trek trailer I was trying to watch for Picard Season 3. <laughs> oh, Oh, well, you know what? I, I forgot that you hate yourself enough to watch that uh, true, every season. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? One thing that I love is people accusing me of being a Johnny-come-lately to the Chiefs. Oh, is, I, I say that all the time about you. That I'm a bandwagon guy. <laughs> um, that I didn't watch basically every game for my entire life, right? Yeah. So I am stoked regardless of the outcome of the Super Bowl. You never frown on making it to the Super Bowl. Cameron, in case you've forgotten, that's the thing that's going to happen on either side of the halftime show and or the trailer for whatever yeah. prestige TV or movie. Listen, I was really going for the 49ers-Chiefs matchup, okay? Just because I know both had Joe Montana at one point in their franchise. Check out Cameron with the football A knowledge. Little, <laughs> little little salt bay of the football knowledge in there. Um do you know who the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles is? No, not at all. Okay. Do you know who the quarterback <laughs> of the Kansas City Chiefs is? Oh, well, it's Mahomes, and then the other guy who apparently did something miraculous two weeks ago? Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the audience can't see it, but I'm actually working on a full life-size sculpture of Mahomes. In my Sure, yeah. <laughs> I'm that dude. So, anyway, uh, so I had that. I had a fab PTQ, which I got my face caved in. Um, because I didn't have time to make the right deck choice, long story, but Cameron, it says here you've been hitting that Pioneer. How's that been going? Oh, Pioneer's great, dude. Um, I, I, there, there's nothing new to report about Pioneer, and this is something I actually kind of want to <coughs> speak to, is that, at least in my local scene, the meta is starting to feel very, very settled in a way. Uh, where I'm seeing the same guys playing the same decks, and I'm playing the same deck, and I know what to expect or how to approach something, which there's real comfort food in because I did that for several years playing Legacy. Um, and so what I'm saying is like it feels like this format is kind of settling into a place where I, I think you can have one or two decks that you can constantly go to put in the reps and then it's the sort of thing that I could show up to a you know any sort of tournament I feel like and put up some decent results just because I know how this deck operates against a pretty decent birth of the field although there's certain you know matchups that I'm just probably never going to see which is also one of the problems I had with legacy is like I never saw elves because there's only one elves player, and he only showed up every you know two months. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, I played Pioneer, and I had a like a fairly successful time. I went two two, and um, the McCoy yeah, special, the McCoy special, yeah. But I mean, in the, like this deck hasn't been innovated upon for months now. This is 
Narset, Wandering Emperor, Teferi, um, and then just a, a who's who of, um, you know, Supreme Verdicts and <laughs> Farewells, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing really new to report with it. It's just, once again, I, I it's just a great deck. I, I feel like I've been having just real success in just knowing what I'm expecting playing against Black Red or Hidden Strings or, you know, mono white like there's just so many of like these decks that i think are all really really good and um i'm just getting my reps in which is great um just need that online equivalent i guess that's really the thing i'm lacking right now i do think we're going to hit your prediction of it ending up happening by the end of 2023 Mm -hmm. um that we will we will be completed see what i did there see what i did there um, with Explorer slash Pioneer, and I think that'll be a cool rollout when it does happen. Um, talk talk to me, like, when you're at these places, like, is there a mention of standard? Is it just now we're living in a world, like, realistically, where it's draft a Pioneer? Yeah. And are the Pioneer players essentially fully separated from Commander, or do you run into a lot of people that are... They are Pioneer and Commander players. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I would say there's a, a 50-50 split among like that Venn diagram of Pioneer players and Commander players. Um, and then, I don't know, like there's a lot of Pioneer players that seem to be the either like me, the jaded <laughs> legacy player who sold his collection and just wants to continue to play a non-rotating format. Um, and then there's modern players out there. The weird thing is, is like in my area, um, there is like a, a rotation at my normal shop of pioneer, like every three weeks. Um, but otherwise there's like a, another place that does Monday nights and another place that does Thursday nights. And so I haven't been going to my main shop because honestly, sometimes like a Tuesday night or Thursday night is more convenient for me than a Mm -hmm. Friday night, honestly, just based off of how my schedule and life works. So um, I what I'm saying is, like, I don't even know what the standard scene is like currently at my, my normal shop because I just haven't been going there for several months now. It's kind of amazing how often I've been assured when I've been to shops lately, uh, standard's coming back. We're starting to see, you know, they'll, they'll tell me, like, four to six numbers. And I've learned over time. You can't trust the number that the shop gives you, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's always yeah. we've way... had twenty five percent growth. That's four people over one, yeah, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. But this is the thing that I'm continuing to struggle with: is you know, Friday I could start playing the new set in person. I have that night available, um, but <laughs> it just doesn't seem like it's worth it to crack these cards and i suppose i could just be playing it online when that happens right so this has been the struggle for me is to understand what my interaction with paper is in like paper magic where i think arena slash if i played mtgo would be a very similar thing it's like very clear what i should be doing right Mm -hmm. and my collections built up on arena to such a point where jumping between formats isn't really crazy hard I, I feel like i've kind of cultivated to the point where i don't even necessarily have to play every day if i buy the bundles i'm pretty well set mm-hmm. but no pioneer is one that like again seems really interesting but i feel like this is your conundrum with flesh and blood right is it's just not played near you mm-hmm. 
really my options are commander and draft where I live. And so, yeah. and then it's like, well, if I draft, like I did with Dominaria Remastered, what am I doing with those cards? So the answer is with Dominaria Remastered, I'm going to sit on them for a year and see what happens. Sure. But, um, so can we just talk about these new uh, arena bundles like super fast? Because I think this yeah. is interesting. So in the past, there's been two bundles that you could buy, uh, and they were both 50 bucks, right? There was one that was 50 packs plus a card style, you know, and then the, no- the other one was 50 bucks, and it was the Mastery Pass and some number of limited tokens. <coughs> so I think notable here is, so they do have the, the 50 pack one. It's got a J sleeve. It's 50 bucks. They have a $25 one that is um, very, very sealed uh, centric, or I should say limited centric. You have two draft tokens, one sealed token, some other like things like that, right? Um, and then the $15 one includes the mastery pass and you get like a copy of a mythic, which is the new Elish Norn. So functionally they've split out the, 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 the cough and the Elish Norn is like the old mastery pass one kind of divided into two. Um, give me your perspective on this, man. Like, do, do you think this is a positive change or where are you at on this? Yeah, uh, it, it seems like a net neutral <laughs> change. Like, the things you're getting, they sound cool on the surface, but, like, if we're just, like, breaking everything down by value, um, you're getting a little something extra with, like, the Jace Pack bundle, which cool. Um, but I don't know how quickly I'm going to just run out so I can just buy these 50 cards and get... I mean, if I'm spending $50, this is probably what I'm doing just to open packs. Or if I'm, what I probably will do is the Koth play bundle, um, because I normally will spend 20 bucks to get, like, you know, two sealed rounds, or essentially play through a sealed, lose, and then play through another one, and that gets me through two, two seals, you know? So, mm-hmm. and then I get some additional things, like the play in points and, like, some draft, you know? So, I mean, like, it seems like a decent bundle the elish norn one just i don't even care about um but like if i look at the jace thing it looks like it's pretty equivalent to what you're getting with just like a smidgen of added value to it um so i guess it's good but it's not like i'm running out to do this immediately yeah uh, i guess in a very small way it provides you more options right so like you could Mm -hmm. do the mastery pass plus the jace bundle and you're out 65 bucks. If you're not really interested in playing limited, that's probably a wise thing to do. Um, so the breaking apart here and adding, like, I'm never going to be one that decries premium sleeves or premium card styles. I never buy them unless they're mm-hmm. part of a bundle. Like, I have a City of Brass sleeve that I use a lot because it came with a bundle that I bought one time. Um but I'm not really interested in the cosmetics of Arena because I'm old and square, I think is probably what the mm-hmm. problem is. Um, Same. But <clears throat> I think this is a net positive. And, and there are, because it's 50 regular packs and then five golden packs. So that is like an actual bump in value, right? Because those yeah. are all guaranteed mythics. So, um, and I like, I like the card art, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but the more options we can get into arena, like this is the drum I want to bang. Like I actually, I feel like I'm in the minority a lot where I don't feel like standard is that expensive in arena. If you really are willing to commit to the grind compared to many other card games and many other, uh, like, I, I think it's, I understand that you cannot sell it, the cards back, but really if you kind of stay on top of it and do your daily grind, you can get through standard pretty easily. Um, the, the expense is when you're like, I want a deck right now, then that's when you're going to be on the hook for some wild cards, which I've, I've never done Cameron. I've always, uh, restrained myself and never just put in money to open packs. If that's what you're thinking. Me too. Me too. Um, like I'm super above that. Um, (laughs) all right, Cameron. So do you want the new sword or the new Jace? Let's just talk. I just want some spoilers to sprinkle in. Um, I think, um, I mean, you're technically the Stone Blade player before I was, but I really want to talk about that sword. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, sword of Forge and Frontier costs three colorless. It's equipment and equipped cost of two. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, and has protection from red and green. Whenever a crypti- creature deals combat damage to a player, exile the top two cards of your library. You may play those cards this turn. You may play an additional land this turn. Um, man, I didn't realize how much I missed a sword. I feel like we're also getting like a little power creep in the swords. Um, you know, sort of ice and fire. Like, I don't know how many times I've cast that with, with Stoneforge Mystic. It's like one of my favorite swords and it was probably the thing that I would misplay the most just because I wanted to get it onto the battlefield. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but this one, it's... It's good, and man, if you can play this against certain decks, like, they're just hosed as far as, like, I, 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 it's so hard to remove myself and to put this in anything other than a Stoneblade list, but if we're just looking at this in standard where you're not cheating it into play, um, that turn three with a specific type of creature and what are you playing against does the netting of an additional land by turn five or whenever you're actually equipping this to attack at that point, it seems like it's gravy, but it doesn't seem like it's like over the top the way that um, it could be if you could cheat it into play and maybe get it an extra turn early. Um, Exiling the two top of your cards as well. Like, I mean, that's not nothing, right? So, I mean, oh, I'm going back and forth with this card, but I, I think overall I really like it. I just don't know where it fits in standard. It kind of doesn't, right? Like, yeah. this is the problem. is, um, So, really, there are some scenarios where, let's say, you're mono-white soldiers against mono-red. I don't think they can beat this card if you're active. But then again, I don't know that that's the best matchup for Mono Red anyway. <laughs> um, so, like, I think minimum here is this could be a sideboard card. Like, I really just think the the pro red and you being able to draw. Like, the extra land, I don't know that really matters that much in standard. Um, but there are scenarios in which, you know, like, you can get past the Kiki-Jiki token. Yeah. Uh, you could also equip up somebody just really to get prevent burn spell on them. But then you're in this dicey thing where it's like, well, you have to have a window of time because if they're a red deck, they might also have an instant speed red removal spell. Then you get blown out on the equip, right? So 
it's strange. I would not be surprised if there's some soldier deck that uses this. Like, yeah, like you might want to ramp out a Titan of Industry, but even that card, which would be straight busted in a lot of standards and be like the card for ramp, really has been very, uh, very under control. This standard mm-hmm. is how I would put it. I just think the low end creatures are really good. You know, in, uh, Rafine, you know, the Kikijiki guys. Uh, all the soldiers. I just don't know that this is a card that was good in standards past. I, yeah. I want yeah. it, Cameron. I want it to be good right now. I don't know that it is. Yeah. I'm also just trying to think in like a non-rotating format like Pioneer or uh, Explorer. Like that mono white deck just operates on such a different level than like your normal white weenie decks do. You're, you know, you're not the the mana just seems so incidental. I mean, pro red, sure, that's great if you're playing against red green or something like that. But um, and maybe that's just where it is. It's just a sideboard card that you're bringing in against the green red aggro decks. I don't know. Yeah, but like even if you just have some dorky soldier that's like equipped up with this, like it's hard to come up with a scenario where you don't outpace mono red like really quickly. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And. They can't do anything, especially if you put on a creature with a, a big backside, right? That they just can't mm-hmm. burn out on the spot. For sure. Um, all right, so let's talk about Jace, the Perfected Mind. Okay, um, got some Phyrexian slash Stranger Things energy to this artwork, <laughs> um, and this is one of the Phyrexian mana cost Planeswalkers. So two blue and then a blue Phyrexian, so it can be play paid as a blue mana or two life. If the life was paid, the Planeswalker enters the with the battlefield with two fewer loyalty counters, which I think is pretty relevant with this creature because he comes mm-hmm. in with five loyalty. So I want to say that again. Five loyalty. So plus one. Until your next turn, up to one target creature gets minus three, minus zero. Minus two. Target player mills three cards. Then if a graveyard has 20 or more cards in it, you draw three cards. Otherwise, you draw a card. Minus X, target player mills three times X cards. Um, so there is a blue-white deck that plays the five-mana Teferi. You play Wandering Emperor. You'd play this card. You'd play it against other slow decks, which... Unfortunately, there's not a lot of those, Cameron. Um... And this is the problem. The The meta is so hostile to a card like this. I think this card is really strong. Like, I really think this could do a lot of damage. But it's being held in check by the fact that mono blue, mono white, mono red are essentially, you know, five of the top, or three of the top five decks. With Grixis and Esper kind of not running that far behind. And I think those decks have their own... So. What I'm trying to say is I have trouble finding where this fits in the metagame outside of blue-white control, which is kind of fringy at this point. What yeah. do you think, man? Uh, the value is really in that minus two, I think, and it's really what mill cards are you also running in this to maybe generate, to get like that real value that you can with this Jays. Um, you know, like, yeah, and what you're saying about like just the Phyrexian mana on this, that is so relevant of it coming in with two fewer loyalty counters where, you know, 
depending on the turn, like that's that's one less activation, you know, or like just based off of like how that's working. So um I I like this in your right in the right context. I think it's super powerful, but I think it really needs some support cards to really take off. I I agree. Hey, I want to skip this next card. Okay. I, I don't want to talk about the staff. I want to talk about this card instead. So I'm going to put in the chat for you to click on there. Some good live show right here. So this is Green Sun's Twilight. Green Sun Zenith. Uh, we could say was charitably one of the most important green cards of all time. <laughs> It's up there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what do you think? Go ahead and read this one for us, Cameron, and then we'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah. So it's a sorcery that costs X and a green. Reveal the top X card. X plus one cards of your library. Choose a creature card and a land card from among them. Put those cards into your hand and the rest into the bottom of your library in a random order. If X is five or more, instead put the chosen card onto the battlefield or into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. I mean, this seems like an incredible card. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so many things allow you to ramp where, like, okay, you're paying, you're, you're digging X to find, like, that one card that is a 7-7 seven, seven now, and um, away you go. Um, there's going to be so few opportunities. I mean, like, I think, for the most part, you're playing the, I mean, you can play this on turn two if you're, if, like, that's this type of deck that you're playing, but... To me, this is a sort of deck where you're kind of stacked with like those really beefy cards to cheat it into play, and um, yeah, and and just go from there. Like this seems pretty decent. So, I think because this is not there is not a restriction on the creature effects. There's five or more. That's what it seems like. Yeah. So welcome to Pioneer Modern Elves, the new survival of the fittest. Because what you're going to do is try to set this up to where X equals 20. Yeah. And by the way, the fact that you just randomly get a bonus land, um, you could get a beseech you out of this to snipe... <laughs> um, Something like you can get a utility land out of this, like a channel land. Um, I mean, obviously it's green, so it's going to be Beseech you, but you could theoretically get the the blue one that's a bounce card. Like, there's all these ways. Like, first of all, I it's not the power level of Green Sun Zenith, but it's much, much, much closer to that than I thought they were going to get to. There are mm -hmm. problems. Obviously, you can whiff. You can hit X equals twenty. And then you just hit another Elvis Archdruid is the best next creature. Like, this can happen. But wow, like, this is an eyebrow raiser. Like, I read it. Yeah. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. I uh, had to read, like, that last sentence and make sure that I'm actually reading this correctly, that it, there's no <laughs> but, essentially. You know, it's like, no, you get to put that into play and, like, yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, standard, like, holy cow, this seems really good. I mean, Nykthos being in the format now, like, whew, like, I mean, you could chain this with multiple Nykthos, maybe, you know, where you're really doing some damage with the creatures you're putting onto the battlefield. 
Yeah. So the question is, what will be the targets, right? And like, you'll probably right, put yeah. two of something because Crater Hoof is not Pioneer legal, but there is a comp. I think there's a ray. There's a there's like a seven mana thing from like Battle for Zendikar that has a very Crater Hoof like thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I I I honestly think it would not be crazy. For you to just fire this off at X equals five or six in an elf stack and just try to do it, right? Um, but maybe not. It just seems like you can get these really fringy kind of wins out of nowhere. So anyway, I think that's a better and more interesting card than Staff of Completion. Very interesting. Um, yeah. All right, Cameron. So let's let's we're gonna like next week I want to marinate more on this set, kind of give our final impressions. But spoiler, this set is very, very, very powerful. So it's a little bit concerning on that front, but maybe good. Um, but let's come back and talk about some of the shows we've been watching. All right, Cameron. So here it says Poker Face on Peacock. I've actually seen this advertised during football season. So it's a Ryan Johnson yeah. thing. So I'm already intrigued. Tell me about it. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> this has like so many weird things happening for it a it's ryan johnson produced and and created and i think he's like a showrunner on it and he's directed a few episodes and and then he has writers doing it as well so it's you know classic tv um it also stars um natasha leone who was in like american pie she's a really amazing comedian i find her to just be very very funny she has like just this very thick New York accent and she is just great like just a character um on top of that this movie or show I should say is framed in a way that it makes it feel like Columbo meets Murder She Wrote meets Kung Fu with like Kane walking the land it melds those three things together to where, like, I saw a review says, uh, Poker Face is the best show from 1973. <laughs> like, okay. I, 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 we're, we're four episodes into it. They've released, they released the first four. Um, and holy cow, it's great. Like, they set up the, the kind of like the murders at the very beginning or the mystery right at the beginning. So you see, how it all happens, so you you know how this is, and then you're just following this character as she kind of figures it out, you know, or solves the case. Um, and it's just very rewarding television in that sense. Really well produced, well written. It's Ryan Johnson, so it's just got yeah. that snappy dialogue and all of that. Um, He's what Joss Whedon wishes he were. That's my opinion. exactly, yeah. Um, and Natasha Loney, I mean, she's like. Like, she is Columbo. Like, it's just so hilarious. Like, she just has, like, that sort of personality. Um, And I grew up watching Columbo and loved it. So, I mean, like, this is, like, hitting, like, a lot of things for me that I like. In fact, like, just starting out, I I can't imagine. This is, like, one of my favorite shows so far of 2023, and I think it's going to hold up as one of my favorite shows of 2023. It's just I can't recommend it enough. Like, I think... If you like just like that procedural television where there is an overarching arc and guest stars galore, you know, I mean, like Adrian Brody is in it. Um, gosh, the um, 
Benjamin Bratt, uh, the guy that uh, plays Cliff from Cheers. Like, I mean, it has a lot of good actors in it. It's uh, Woody Harrelson. To- is that no? Uh, Cliff is the the mailman, uh, the guy that oh, plays the, the, does... uh, the the great voice from like all the yeah, Pixar movies. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay, yeah. I can't remember his name. John Ratzenberger. That's it. Um, so anyway, yeah, dude, I highly recommend. You absolutely have to watch this show. Deal. So is Peacock a free service? No. So we, we did ne- a Black Friday deal, and so we got like a free year, or not a free year, but we just spent really like ten cost. bucks for a year. Yeah. So just being honest with you, I've never had Paramount and I've never had Peacock. We always rotate between HBO Max and Netflix, mm-hmm. and then we kind of just keep bouncing back and forth. Um, I had ESPN Plus for like a month, which is 10 bucks. I'll never get back. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> This is definitely worth a month where I think you'll get your money's worth from it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, what do you know about Paper Girls? I've heard of it. <laughs> That's about it. So this has been kind of a whirlwind. So basically, I knew it was a very popular comic book series from Image. I didn't really know the context. It's Brian K. Vaughn. He apparently did it while Saga was on a break. So it's like 30 issues long or something. Um, Saga, which I think is you know on the top of my I need to get back to list. I read two trades, loved them, and I haven't touched it since. Um, but... I knew it was a f- popular comic book, and then I saw Amazon had an original for it that came out this year. I was like, oh, sweet. So we start watching it. I go to a comic shop um, one night while my daughter's in volleyball practice because I'm a really good dad, and I drop <laughs> her off, and I go to the comic shop. I actually was playing cards, too, but um, I saw the trade for Paper Girls. Pick it up. We watched the first episode. I was like, wow, this is great. This is like a really cool... Um, basically the main thrust of it is this, there's a group of girls in the eighties that are paper delivery girls, like early morning paper delivery girls. And through a series of events, they accidentally time travel to the present, right? And they start to meet themselves and their future selves, right? And there's also a murder mystery that's kind of tied in with all this. So then don't take this the wrong way because I think Stranger Things does some really great stuff and I love watching it. I got more out of watching this. I think it's a very similar energy. This actually, I don't know if it fully predates Stranger Things, but I believe it does in terms of the graphic novel because I think the graphic... But clearly Amazon got this and said, this is our competitor for Stranger Things. Did zero marketing on it because... I am very much in that Venn diagram. I know comic books. I love sci-fi. I grew up in the 80s. Amazon (laughs) should know all this because they have my shopping history. Mm -hmm. And I never saw it until I went like 30 items deep. I read it. The trade was fantastic. Watched the show. I've really been enjoying three episodes of the show. Found out online. They canceled the show. Huh. Because it didn't get the viewership it needed. And now there's this whole campaign to save it. Ali Wong, who's a comedian going on with her, she is one of the stars of the show. Um, so I don't know what kind of surrounded this not working out for them or if they just went mm-hmm. all in on Rings of Power, which Probably. they <laughs> definitely should not have, but that's another story. Um, have we ever even finished talking about Rings of Power? But anyway, Paper Girls is a heavy recommend, yep. both TV show and graphic novel. 
awesome. know that apparently the TV show isn't going to close off the story. However, it's a six trade series. I think the whole thing, if you're into buying digital comics, can be had for like 14 bucks. Nice. Um, I'm doing it in paper. But did you watch any of Rings of Power? No, we haven't done our Amazon subscription yet, and we probably will wait for a while, but it's on the list. I just don't need to get to it. <laughs> Cameron, it's only going to get your hopes up in two episodes, only to have them dashed horribly. Mm. Really falls apart. There's some really exceptional performances in Rings of Power. I'm really worried I've talked about this on the show already, so I apologize. <laughs> There's some really ex- like especially the lady that plays um on oh, brain farting. Uh K- yeah, she's fantastic. She's fantastic in that role. But the script is like starts fantastic and just really falls apart and they made the mistake of thinking that there needs to be a twist. So they try and do a big twist on you at the end of the first season. And I don't know um, what your experience is with like Tolkien, but there's not a lot of mystery. Like no. that's not what yeah. we're there for, <laughs> right? No. So, pass on Rings of Power. Very well produced show. I liked Wheel of Time more. Okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, sorry, we're just on a tangent. Willow, maybe the worst nostalgia re-release I've ever seen. That's a bummer. Cameron, so incredibly insulting. Not only do they use covers, like ironic covers of well-known songs, okay? But they go so, like, they think they're like 10 things I hate about you, but in the Willowverse, (laughs) okay? They do, I'm not even kidding you, they they commit the cardinal sin of the following. They end one episode with Inner Sandman. Okay? And then in another episode, they do a Bruce Springsteen cover of I'm on Fire. I mean, that is shut the TV off and walk away kind of stuff, right? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Don't get it. <laughs> also... If you're going to cover some Springsteen, respect that stuff, okay? You can't just willy-nilly. <laughs> just choose something from the catalog. Yeah. Uh, something from the Born in the USA album? Are you kidding me? Is nothing <laughs> sacred anymore? <laughs> just saying. It's mm. one of the perfect albums of our time, Cameron. It's a good one. <laughs> All right. Let's get out of this show. Cameron, if someone would like to hash out their favorite Springsteen album with you, where could they find you? Mm, that's all on Twitter, at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I'm at Curtis Now. Our official show feed is at SpikeFeedMTG. We'll check you guys next week. a golden eye fan the game the game's okay yeah. um but i know it got re-released right it just got re-released I mean, yeah 
Historically, very, very, very important. I should say that. I have a troubled relationship with the Nintendo 64 controller. Um, because it's trash. <laughs> you don't like the center joystick? Um, I have two hands and not three. So, no, I do not like that controller. <laughs> That's me. You know? I am sure for three-handed people, <laughs> yeah. that is like controller number one. 